We just got back from New York City talking to thousands of people about abortion, and now we're debriefing. Join us. We are Created Equal, and we're inviting you to debrief with us. Hey, y'all. I'm Lexi. Hey, everyone. It's Seth. And today's episode will be a little bit different. We're not talking about necessarily how to talk about abortion. We're talking about the other questions about what do you do when you feel like you're a lone ranger building a team, bringing people around you. It's going to be a unique, exciting episode. And today is a very big deal, not just because we're talking about something a little bit different than we normally do, but... Why, Lexi? Because of our guest Our distinguished today. guest today. Uh, he is the president of Created Equal, Mr. Mark Harrington. Hi. <laughs> I wish a I man, could a few words. Music, <laughs> right, the, the drum roll. Esther, can you add a drum roll in there or something later yeah, on? Seriously, yeah, seriously. We'll talk please, about that. Esther, please. No, it's good to be here. <laughs> good night. Um, so he just got back a few days ago. You were in New York City. That was your second time this year. Well, yeah, my favorite city in America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, lots of reasons. Why? Yeah, why? Well, it's like uh, the metropolitan center of the world. I mean, it's where it's a crossroads where. People from all over the world go through there, so it's a great place to visit. It's a great place to do outreach, so it's got Tell two things going for it. Everybody, why y'all were out there? Why did you go to New York again? Uh, well, because it's the best place to do outreach, but it's because we put together a coalition of pro-life organizations that want to learn from us, and so... We had Protect Life Michigan. We had the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, Toronto Right to Life, Project Truth. I'm probably missing <laughs> one over there. Tiny Hybrid survivors. Ministries, Survivors. Yeah, yeah so I think there's six of them. Is that right? Five or six that came. Yes. And I think so they all got together to do outreach and to learn from one another. So it was awesome. Nice. And that was kind of like um, started out uh, as a trip with just like one other group and then all these other groups joined in. So that was pretty amazing getting to go. And how many people did y'all have with you? Uh, 27. 27. who's counting? (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So what did y'all do? I know obviously you're doing outreach, but kind of what was your typical day? You're out there for five days of outreach, right? Well, let me let me give a little more to the backstory. And that is. When Seth and I set out to do Created Equal, one of the visions we had was what we call transferability. That is that people would be doing this all over the country. We expected that to go a lot quicker than it did. (laughs) There were a lot of people jumping in right away, but we kind of understand why that's the case now. Mm -hmm. Because using abortion victim photography is not popular, and it's hard. And so... It took some time, but it seems to me that uh, it's all come to fruition now. There are several groups around the country and in Canada that do this in direct, at least at some level, because of Created Equal, which has been very gratifying to us that people are doing this. So So pause there, Mark. So, of course, um, I was not with you when you started doing pro-life work, but I was with you when you started Create Equal. And I think that when you look at the movement today, when it comes to abortion victim photography, there's some shifting of ideas. I'm curious about your input on on that, if you've seen that, if that's true. And also, if you have, what do you to what do you attribute that? Yeah, I think we early on, we had a lot of opposition. It was public. People would take us to task publicly in the movement and outside the movement, of course. But that has subsided. And I think it's just because people know that it works. Mm. And so they're, they may not do it themselves, but they're not going to take you to task publicly. They're not going to criticize you. So we just don't run into that much anymore. And now we have people that are have embraced the uh, the methodology and the tactics. So that's that I, to me that's huge because we know that well we believe anyway, and I think we know empirically that uh, using victim photography is effective, especially on college campuses. 
So we'll put in the show notes a study on that that shows the effectiveness of victim photos. You can check that out. But also, so Mark, we're talking about this coalition you were with, these five other groups, or were there six total, including us? Yeah, five other groups. And so do you see this as a microcosm of the movement generally becoming more open to, or do you still think there's a lot of pushback against victim photos in the pro-life movement? Not much pushback, but people just still don't use them. For what reason do you think? uh, I just think that folks are concerned for their image. Uh, if you want to have a bunch of friends on Facebook and drive your social media platforms, if you post victim photography, you're going to get knocked down in the algorithms and all of that stuff. And you're not going to be liked. And I think people in the movement, some anyway, believe that you have to be liked to be effective. I don't believe that's the case. In fact, most, if not all successful, successful social reformers were hated mm-hmm. for what they did. So uh, that that's just a misconception about social reform generally. And uh, uh, historically, we all know that victim photography has been used in movements, so it should work with uh, with the pro life movement. And we've we've basically perfected that that tactic here at Created Equal. And uh, you know, we we stand on the shoulders of giants like guys of like Greg Cunningham and and Joe Scheidler's who pioneered this long before we ever came around. Amen. Speaking of the like success and benefit of using abortion victim images, while y'all were there, like I said, y'all were out at outreach for five days in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many people changed their minds or confirmed uh, at least? I think 88. 88 people. So you just in had- In New York City, right? Yeah. This is not the middle of Indiana. Cause right. It's the island of Manhattan, just so you know, which is one of the boroughs. There are seven boroughs. But Manhattan is known to be New York City. That okay. is Times Square. You're talking about Wall Street. We went to outside of Central Park. I mean, it's just an awesome place with lots of people around. Yeah. So where else did y'all go when y'all were there? We did an overpass. Uh, let's see. We went to the Planned Parenthood, which is the original uh, Planned Parenthood Margaret Sanger Center, which they've removed her name from it. It's uh, interesting because of the pressure that mm-hmm. they they felt in the after the. Uh, Black Lives Matter riots of 2020, but the street's still named Margaret Sanger Boulevard, so they haven't disowned him, her, uh, you know, directly. But it is the the first Planned Parenthood center, so we were there two days. We went to other abortion centers, uh, but tr- Times Square twice, uh, which is one of the best places you can ever do outreach, mm-hmm. just because people from all over the world are there. Yeah, can you paint that scene for someone who's listening who <clears throat> knows what Times Square is? We have a picture from the you know uh, New Year's Day. We all know what that looks like, right? Yeah. So, but you're walking out there with these signs showing people who've been brutalized. What is it like? What's the response like from the general public? Yeah, well, most people would think that people would be distracted by all the billboards and the LED screens which are surrounding yeah. Times Square, but they actually aren't. Uh, because of what we're doing, they, they see what we're doing. They stop by, they talk to us. I expected all kinds of hostility there and it didn't happen. Hmm. In fact, it was other places in New York city where we encountered all that kind of trouble. And they're Mm -hmm. usually New Yorkers. They were the ones that didn't like us, but the people that were in times square, many of them stopped by and talked. In fact, there were times that everybody was talking to someone. I mean, the whole time It's like constantly you were having conversations. So Times Square is a great place to do this, despite all the distractions around you with all the screens and uh, all the other things that are going on. Yeah, I'm surprised by that because I would think the same. I would think there's so much going on. Are they going to really see us? So what do you think makes us still stand out away from the LED lights? The fact we have humans there holding these signs? Exactly. I think that's it. You know, there are we'd stand out because there are no other 
protesters there. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. else is there just for a good time. We're actually there with a serious message. And even though they might be on vacation, they still stop and talk, uh, which is, you know, you would think that they would avoid us, but they don't. And I saw that y'all were standing outside NYU as well. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about... Forgot about that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, normally yeah. we're on college campuses a lot of our time. So, you were, you know, outside of a college campus. How was that? Um, private, right? Yeah. NYU. We were we were fortunate this time because last... We went private. last summer. And Is it during, private, NYU? No. Okay. okay. Public school. Okay. We could have gone on campus. <laughs> let me back up. Last summer, we went to New York City. And, of course, during uh-huh. the summer, the classes aren't in session. So, we didn't go to the any, any of the colleges. This time, we went to uh, NYU and uh, Columbia. University. Oh, okay. uh-huh. NIU was awesome. Uh, it was students everywhere, but we were on the sidewalks. And it, it, you're on the sidewalks because there is no green space there. Mm. It's all, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, concrete it's, jungle. It's city. Yeah. And, but it's right next to Washington Square, which was the site of all the BLM riots of 2020. So that is the center of activism in New York City. So we were expecting. All kinds of trouble. We didn't get a whole lot of it, but I think if we would have been there a little longer or spent an extra day there, it could have been a little bit dicey, let's say. <laughs> but uh, that was a great, great outreach there. And then Columbia University was also very good. It's an Ivy League school, so you mm-hmm. get a lot of uh, a lot of kids that are getting sent there by their parents, spending big time, money, and tuition to go to that college. And they they produce a lot of our Supreme Court justices. They have a you know all kinds of uh, accolades like that but we had an excellent time in front of columbia university the students were much more respectful there Hmm. than they were at nyu that's interesting so i want to um jumping to taking this a little bit further now i think i want to get into what you experienced there because i think that this happened organically lexi said a moment ago we started with maybe two groups and that it built to built this to this coalition but i think Mm -hmm. still a lot of people listening who are thinking okay i'm trying to build a team they think what i need you to build a team is get together and watch some movies not a bad thing or but have a conference go listen to people talk but you our coalition strategy is go do outreach together why is that an effective way of building a team rather than just you know sitting together reading books and stuff that's good but why is the critical model going and doing stuff to build a team well, it's because you uh, you learn on the job. Uh, we didn't really just go to do outreach, although all the leaders had done outreach, you know, for years, most of them. But they brought some of their uh, staff with them who had not done out- outreach at length like this. And New York City is a little bit, uh, you know, intimidating to a lot of people. But for our leadership, it wasn't. It's something that we had experienced before. But the thing is, as we all know, when you get together and you're in a battle, it creates synergy. Mm -hmm. And synergy is something that you can't really, you know, put your finger on per se. It just kind of happens between people that are in a fight. If they're in a a foxhole together, you're going to defend each other. You got each other's back. You get to know people better than you ever would in any other way. And so, you know, as we were out in the fight each day, you know, taking care of each other, making sure we're all good. And then at night, debriefing and talking about our experiences, that built that kind of synergy and camaraderie that you can't find anywhere else. And that's why what we do is so different, because now we're friends for life. I know that the relationships we built uh, over that week will endure for years, if not longer. And we're hoping to do it again. That's beautiful. I think that's so true. Uh, I remember your daughter, Mark Amelia, years ago commenting on the Justice Ride. Mm-hmm. A few days in, you're a family. You come to these 
students from across the country don't know each other. Mm-hmm. You spend a few minutes together on a campus where people are yelling at you and you are bonded mm-hmm. for life. It really is unique and true. And so I think someone listening who thinks, wow, that's cool. I'd love to be, be a part of that join create equal that, that someday we can have ideas for them. But what if they're trying to do this themselves? What advice would you have as you know someone who's for years, as you said in the beginning, we wanted transferability. It wasn't happening. How did we get here? Do you just pray and hope God will ha- do it? Or can, are there things you can do to kind of make this happen? Well, you got to learn from the people that came before you. So when we sat and de- debriefed at night, we were listening to guys like Blaze from CCBR talking about the Canadian battle, which is mm-hmm. different than the United States. I mean, they're dealing with a whole lot worse situation up in Canada. We're dealing with uh, people like uh, Kristen Polo, who's been in it for about 15 years. I mean, it's just, you, you, that's, you can't replace that kind of experience. And so I would exhort people to connect up with folks that have been in it for a while that have that kind of, that have the, uh, you know, the scars on their back that can share with them and help them avoid some of the pitfalls that will come if you just go in without any uh, guidance from those who have gone before you. So that's what made it different. And so I know like a lot of these organizations, if not all of them are probably, are they all younger than Created Equal? CCBR. Uh, Well, okay, because it's as far as organizations. No, CCBR would probably be the oldest. Okay, well, uh, out of the American ones, I guess. Yeah, yeah, United States, but yeah. Um, like we were talking about a little bit before, how there's been a shift in the acceptance of using abortion victim images. Um, Mm -hmm. what do you think that that can really be? Like, why do you think that organizations are popping up? I know, like Tiny Heartbeat Ministries is a very very, very new um, organization um, who is full force using abortion victim images. Why do you think it is that so many people are seeing, yes, this is effective. I'm going to do this. And not just I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make this my main thing like here at Created Equal it is. Because it works. Yeah. Real simple. Uh, yeah. In fact, they, they mentioned your uh, presentation, mm. Seth, several times. The video? Yeah. No, your, your direct presentation to protect life michigan they mentioned several times that you'd done on social reform and the use of victim photography and social reform right because i got that from you from the old cbr days from greg cunningham (laughs) Uh who got it from you know whoever else it was before him but the point is that you can't sit through a presentation like that and not believe that these work and have a place in our movement and if you don't believe that then you're you're in denial i mean Mm -hmm. frankly you're just in denial because we know they work uh, historically, they've worked. They work today. Those who are serious about ending abortion will use victim photography at some level or another. They will. They should, and they will. And that's why I think we're we're teamed up with people that are serious about this. They want to end abortion, and they know this works. So that's the real reason. So I wonder, like, obviously it's uh, not easy, but it's fairly easy to work with somebody who um, is in agreement. Oh yeah, let's go do outreach. We're going to go do the same outreach. We're going to talk to people, have these um, conversations. And we all kind of been trained. A lot of us have been trained by Seth, right? Like even the other organizations that came with us, um, mm-hmm. obviously CCBR and things like that, Toronto Light to Life, we're not, but um, we're all kind of in the same boat of what we're, we're agreeing on. How do we also work with other pro-life groups who are not necessarily outreach focused or not necessarily doing the same sort of outreach? How do we also stand alongside those type of organizations? Uh, it's sometimes a little difficult. I think we just, uh, we're, we're not into 
creating division within the pro-life movement. Years ago, I used to get really upset when people didn't use victim photography. It used to bother me a lot. I do lose sleep over it. Uh-huh. And I sometimes was a little bit mean. You know, I treated people differently. If I'd said if they didn't do this, they really didn't care about abortion. Uh-huh. I realized that wasn't true. I, I realized that there are a lot of people that just disagreed. I want to use it for whatever reason. They still care and they want to end abortion. So we have to dispel with this notion that we've got it figured out. This is the only way to do it. And just work with people when you can. And when, if it's necessary in some situations to not use victim photography for that situation, that's okay. So I want to connect that to what you said earlier, though, Mark. Because you were talking about um, when you were debriefing there in New York City, you had people who were maybe not elders age-wise, but elders outreach-wise, right, who were kind of mm-hmm. leading the debriefs. You're certainly there. You have other leaders from other groups. And you have this kind of respect for those who've come before and have been mm-hmm. doing the work. And I think you're, what you're commenting on right now is a kind of humility, recognizing this works, it is effective, but I don't have everything all figured out. So you could, can you kind of connect the dots for us? When it comes to coalition building, it seems to be one of the biggest um, ad- ad- adversaries of coalition building is pride and arrogance and my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. So can you mm-hmm. comment on your reflections on that over decades really of doing pro-life work and what we're seeing today and what we should be working toward? Yeah, well, those that were gathered in New York City just want to win. I mean, they have a goal. They want to win. It's not about them. It's not about building a platform, becoming popular. They just don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're about winning. They'll work with anyone that wants to end the killing. That's the common denominator. And those are the people that we'll work with. I've been around long enough, and it doesn't take me long, and I don't mean to be mean about this, but I can tell pretty early on if somebody's got something else going on, some other agenda or motive behind what they're doing. I generally just can see that up front, and it's usually not a relationship that lasts very long. One thing Kristen said, which was very encouraging to me, that she likes the fact that we just work with whoever wants to end abortion. We don't have any, like, uh, you know, checklist or whatever they have to do to prove themselves. We'll work with anybody, and we're not out to take credit. That doesn't matter to us because we want to end abortion. We want to be faithful to the gospel and to Christ and all of that. So that's why I think we've been successful. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest questions that kind of jumps back to what Lexi was saying a moment ago about agreements and differences, how you can partner with people who are different from you. I mean, we think it's important to not pretend like our differences don't exist, but we can unite with others around the common goal of ending abortion. So Mark, kind of as a, uh, you know, a, a encouragement to people listening, thinking, I want to do this too, but they're alone. They're on a campus. No one's coming around them. Uh, they've talked to people, invited them to come do outreach. No one wants to come with them. What would your encouragement be to someone who is struggling to build that team, getting other people around them? Should they just be a lone soldier doing it on their own, doing what's effective? Should they just spend all their time coalition building? What What would you encourage them to do? As a- uh, Kind of both. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you have to go it alone, go it alone. But we will, we will support them from afar. I mean, we can't be everywhere, obviously. But we can provide the guidance, the resources, and the uh, encouragement for them to do the work. The other thing is just look for like-minded people. Don't worry about the numbers. If you can get one or two people to join you, do it. And uh, we'll be there to have your back. And uh, so that's, it really just takes a unique, it does take some, uh, you know, willingness to, to take on. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It is. We're not saying it's easy. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be effective. And that's what's most important. And we actually had a girl uh, who goes to NYU who reached out to us the day after y'all were oh. um, right outside and said, hey, I um, 
was talking to one of your staff members today and I really want to um, get more involved. I want to be doing something to end abortion. And so I emailed her back anyways, and she is now going to start sidewalk counseling outside. I think it's going to cool. be the Planned Parenthood. I think that's like right down the street from there, right? In right. Manhattan. So, so lower Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, so That's she's cool. going to start doing that. And I'm like, I, I wonder, I don't know if there's anybody else she knows who a friend that would be willing to go out there. But um, I do know that there's probably other uh, people who are pro-life and um, who are sidewalk counseling out there that she can meet and talk to. Um, and they can kind of be be her group, even if she's the only one going that she knows. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's very encouraging that even as y'all were building a team, building a coalition, um, you were inspiring others to join the fight as well. And so it's not even just the, the 20, what, 27. 27. Yeah, I was going to say 26. But who's counting again? Yeah, yes. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 27 people um, that were going, um, that you were impacting and building up, but also the other people that you're reaching as well. So that was really awesome. I agree. And I think also look at Create Equal. Like this is an example of that as well, because I mean, I remember when we were in your basement, Mark, two people in your basement. With a sump pump. With a sump pump, loudly, <laughs> or I guess not loudly, but um, it was working there behind us. It was pumping. It was pumping, right? As it goes. But then... <laughs> Oh, look, we're in this building. We have this GoPro closet we're recording in. We have people with us. Esther's producing. Lexi's here. So we see that by doing what is effective, what honors God, people do come around it. Maybe not as you expect or what you want, but it does grow. God will still use that faithful presence. And so, Mark, since we only get to have you on occasionally here as a featured guest, one more just question for you. If, if for someone listening, what should I be doing now? What words of advice would you give them to how to be the most effective pro-life advocate they can be? Uh, have the long view. Don't think that it's going to end overnight or what you're going to do is going to end it overnight. It's too much to carry. It's a huge burden to carry that babies are dying every single day, and we, we know that. Uh, but but to you know just be committed and, and have the long view and build for the future. I mean, it took us 10 years, really, to get where we are where well, we have groups around the country in North America who are now joining forces with Created Equal to learn from what we do and learn from others. And so that's what it takes. We've got to have the long view because abortion's not going to go away overnight. We've got to be in it for the long run. Amen. So as you're listening, that's our encouragement to you to take the long view, to commit your life to defending those oppressed, to defending truth, advancing um, the truth. So please do that. And you can continue connecting with us to do that. We want to be here to help you. That's the whole purpose of this podcast, as you know. So as we're wrapping up, please, as always, we would love for you to leave us a review. Keep listening. Subscribe. Let us know what you think about this. Find us on social media. At and a little bit of us. a cross-pollinization here. Well, I'm going to say this now. Okay, hang, now. Hang, on, hang on a second. I'm going to say, if you like <laughs> hearing more... Mark's voice. <laughs> what should they do, Lexi? They should also see his face and follow him on on Facebook and go to the Mark Harrington Show on Facebook, which is also available as a podcast. Which Mark Harrington also, Show, yes, correct, correct, exactly. But and also on Instagram, uh, the Mark Harrington Show as well. And we'll leave all this out in the all show the show notes. notes. So deep, so and also you can he has subscribe. His own show, subscribe which, not only to us, <laughs> subscribe to Mark's show. Yes, correct. leave a review of Mark's show. Correct. Listen to it, Mark. If they listen to your show, what is going to be different about that? What is the Mark Harrington show? What's the purpose? The uh, the mission? Uh, it's to build up the body of Christ and uh, give them a comprehensive worldview of the things that we deal with, uh, not just abortion, but primarily abortion, and have some of the unsung heroes of our movement hear from them, learn from them be inspired by them. 
he always has on amazing guests like every single week. So you'll definitely want to go. Right. Check that some out. of my favorites are, I mean, as you said, Unsung Heroes, also some leading thinkers, Carl Truman, Francis yep. Beckwith. So yep. if you like the ideas are animating this debate, check it out because there's some of the leading people who are helping us understand why people think what they do. And that's important to reach the end of abortion. So thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this. And um, again, find Mark there. Come back here next week to hear us debrief again another, another conversation. Until then, we are Created Equal. And this has been The Debrief. We're out. Well done. Thank you. Was that bad? That no. was great.